This is uh, Reverend Russell, and welcome to Sunday. And uh, yes, that uh, that was the Reverend Debbie Blue. It's so nice to have Debbie back with us. And this isn't some pre-recorded thing. She is actually right here live via the telephone. Uh, Debbie, it's so good to have you back. Hey, it's so good to be back. So you've yeah. been on quite an adventure since we last uh, heard from you. I have. Yes, I have. You were in uh, England? I was in England uh, for much shorter than I was supposed to be. Had to come home quick, and then ended up with the coronavirus. You actually got the coronavirus. How uh, how was it? yes. How was it? You know, it wasn't that bad for me. Oh, that's good to hear. Fever, all that. Fever, yeah. Lost my sense of taste and smell. It wasn't that bad. It seems, I'm so glad that you are feeling better, because it has, I mean, it is kind of strange that you lose your sense of taste, you know? I mean, I think that seems like it's happened to a lot of people. Like you see a lot of people, they're just, you know, walking around in, like, sweatpants, and, like, their whole sense of taste is, like, gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that you're doing better, looking better. No, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, well, well we, we have some announcements to make here. Uh, oh, one I just wanted to make... Hopefully, you know, you're able, if you want to be listening to our uh, daily, mostly daily um, shut-in podcast, uh, some great musicians. Uh, we, we kind of, musicians have supported the House of Mercy for so long, since the beginning. And um, we just want to, this shut-in podcast, we think of it like a mini gig, almost like a venue, or asking musicians that are part of the House of Mercy family, extended family, to play three songs for us and just say, hey. And uh, hopefully, you know, people then will go to our website and go to, there's on their website is a musician's tip jar. You can throw some money in there for them to support them, because obviously they have no gigs right now. And we'll get that money to them. Also, you know, you can go to their websites and buy their merch and uh, their music and stuff, anything to support them. So please 
do that. Yeah, it's a good idea, a great idea. Right, because you're seeing all these things on Facebook. People are saying, oh, yeah, look, uh, I agree with these sentiments that in this time we're all inside, and what would we do without our artists? We're listening to music, we're reading books, we're watching movies, you know. Right, we need, we need artists, and we need to give them money. Absolutely. All right, speaking of giving money. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, we, we never really officially ended our pledge drive, and that's in part because we didn't get enough pledges. So if you haven't pledged yet, if House of Mercy is important to you, it's important to us, uh, and we'd love to have your pledge. You can go online and make your pledge. Do you know how close we are, Russell, to our goal? I think we have about a third of our goal. Okay, so we still need uh, some more pledges, and I know it's a rough time for everyone. If you can't give, we understand. If you can, we would love it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for all of you that help continue to help make the mercy happen, and uh, are going to help make sure it's around when we're all uh, when we're all out of this. So you know, we uh, announced and put on our website right that we are going to uh, reopen on Easter Sunday. But that's and not, we're gonna not going to happen. No, nothing. So when uh, we don't know exactly for sure right now, we're just saying Mother's Day. Uh, seems like a good day. Seems like a great day to all come back together, and maybe it's optimistic. But we—that's what we're saying now, and we will keep you. We'll keep you all posted here. Um, oh, hey. Check it out. I did go back to that old church. Where, um, I don't mean to call it that old church. It is pretty old. Um, but uh, I went to the church to just bring a little bit of church here. And I look at I got the bell. Huh? That sounds beautiful. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yes. Yeah, so Good. we got that to usher in our, our, our prayers here. Um, but so since we're not going to be there for Station of the Cross and um, Easter Sunday, so for Station of the Cross, we... You know, that requires we all get together and walk around really close together, and just we can't do that. And look at the beautiful art. We cannot do that. We don't. What we're going to do instead is we're going to do reflections on the Station of the Cross. We're asking 14 writers to reflect on each one Station of the Cross. You know, read the text that goes with us, read the liturgy that goes with it, and I'll write just one paragraph reflection. I know it's yeah. quick. It's coming up this Friday, right? Right. That seems great. We can... Hear from other people. Yeah, it would be great to hear people, community voice. So if you want to write uh, one of these reflections, one paragraph, a Station of the Cross, uh, email me, russell at houseofmercy.org, and uh, that'll be up next Friday. Friday. Also, too, look tomorrow in your mail. One thing in these times to help out, um, we are going to be sending out uh, instructions, a how-to on how to make a home altar. This is very popular in... Uh, pagan times and most, uh, you know, synchronistic, is that what they're called? Uh, religious uh, traditions? Indigenous? Yeah, religion. right, exactly. And uh, place, also places, you know, where you couldn't, uh, you couldn't make, it to the, make it to the house of worship. So um, look for that. You can bring your family together, light a candle, all you make your altar. We'll, like I said, instructions, for, use it for uh, Good Friday on Easter Sunday. And... Um, you know, beyond that. And, uh, do it tonight, even if you don't have an altar yet, just light a candle when you listen to the service. Oh, yeah, maybe like um, light that candle maybe that you got blessed at Candlemas. That would be, that sounds perfect. All right, well, is that, uh, 
I think that might be uh, everything. We sure hope you all are well and we of sure do. good spirits that you feel the, uh, I don't know, the, uh, the peace of, of uh, God. Did you mention Easter? I think so. I said, maybe I said, you know, well, not, we are going to have an Easter service. We don't know exactly what it's going to be yet. Um, but if you have some suggestions, like maybe you knew out there, you're like, oh, I'd really like this or that, or, you know, it's finally time to hear Debbie sing a solo, you know, anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. Just, it, yeah, go ahead. Jesus will rise from the dead. Absolutely. And we don't know how we're going to have Jesus rise from the dead, how that plays, you know, in an audio format. I mean, what sound does it make when Jesus rises from the dead? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll work on it. Um, okay. And thanks, everybody, who's working to make these, uh, make these um, services on the podcast work. Joe is the great producer here who's recording all this, putting all this together. Sam, who is posting all this stuff, is fantastic. Uh, the band is still there sending these sound files around and, and working on them. So uh, everybody with the band. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys all for staying with us. So Yeah, thanks for listening. This is The House of Mercy, and welcome to it. Please join me now in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, we find ourselves in strange times, times of danger on a global scale, nestled with profound mundanity. God of both and, shake us awake and grant us peace. Remind us of those beyond our walls and beyond our borders who need healing and compassion and help us to practice mercy and compassion for those with whom we are sequestered. And most of all, be present to us in a very real way, that we might be overcome occasionally with the realization that your love and mercy and peace are boundless in stock and for us. Won't you please join always. with us in singing House of Mercy hymn 113, Amen. Keep on the Sunny Side. There's a dark and a troubled side of life. There's a bright and a sunny side too. Though you meet with the darkness and strife, the sunny side may also find you. Keep on the sunny side, always on the sunny side.
Please join me now in the prayers of community. I'll end each prayer with Lord in your mercy, and I invite you to respond. Hear our prayer. God of mercy, with so many people suffering all around the world in circumstances that are beyond our understanding, so much is needed, medical care, food, money, and we are, most of us, unable to help in the ways that are most needed. Lead us to do what we can and to pray for those things that are beyond us. Lord, in your mercy. God of mercy, we pray for those in our families and communities that have lost their jobs or had their income reduced. Give them courage, grant them peace in spite of the turmoil and fear and insecurity. We pray for those who are out still working, who must go every day and put themselves in risk to help others, to provide food, protect them, give them strength, not only of spirit, but of their immune systems. Lord, in your mercy. God of mercy, we pray for those who are in need of physical, emotional, or spiritual healing. Those people who are very dear to us and those we just hear about on Facebook. We pray for those who are in need. We pray for those who mourn. We pray for the dying. Be present with your big presence, with your great love, with your profound peace to all those who are afraid. We pray for those who are profoundly lonely. We pray for those who are in prison and those who are prisoners of addiction. We pray for those of us dealing with mental illness at this time of extended stress will not be a time. We pray for those of us who suffer with mental illness, who because of these times are experiencing heightened symptoms. Give them peace and the wisdom to ask for help when they need it and the ability to find that help. Lord, in your mercy. God of mercy, we have not always loved you with all that we have. We have hurt those people in our lives and those people who pass through our lives with the things that we have done, said, left undone. Change our hearts. Grant us forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy.
God of mercy, in the shadows of all this consuming, God of mercy, in the shadow of this all-consuming crisis, there remained every other crisis, climate crisis, the opioid crisis, clean water crisis, crisis income inequality. All these plights and troubles are interwined and our cause and effect remind us that we have a faith capable of seeing the state of the world and remain standing. That we have a theology which compels us to proceed hopefully. Lord, in your mercy. God of mercy, meet us now in this extended time of silence. Amen. The reading today comes from Leviticus 25, verses 1 through 17. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, and say to them, When you enter the land that I am giving you, the land shall observe a Sabbath for the Lord. Six years you shall sow your fields, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in their yield. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap the aftergrowth of your harvest or gather the grapes of your unpruned vine. It shall be a year of complete rest for the land. 
You may eat what your land yields during its Sabbath, you, your male and female slaves, your hired and your bound laborers who live with you, for your livestock also, and for the wild animals in your land, all its yield shall be for food. You shall count off seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the period of seven weeks of years gives 49 years. Then you shall have the trumpet sounded loud on the 10th day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, you shall have the trumpet sounded throughout all your land and you shall hollow the 50th year and you shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. You shall return every one of you to your property and every one of you to your family. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. You shall not sow or reap the aftergrowth or the harvest, the unpruned vines. You shall... An, in, for, for it is a jubilee, it shall be holy to you. You shall eat only what the field itself produces. In this year of jubilee, you shall return every one of you to your property. When you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not cheat one another. When you buy from your neighbor, you shall, not, you shall pay only for the number of years since the jubilee. The seller shall charge you only for the remaining crop years. If the years are more, you shall increase the price, and if the years are fewer, you shall diminish the sale price. For it is certain, it is certain, for it is a certain number of harvests that are being sold to you. You shall not cheat one another, but you shall fear God, for I am the Lord your God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's hard to remember what life was like a month ago, what we were looking forward to, what we were worrying about. Seems like a different world. Four weeks ago today, about this hour, I think, Jim and I had just boarded a train in London on our way to see Olivia. I had my hand sanitizer for sure, and I had already washed my hands so many times they were bleeding, but I was really excited about what was ahead. Then, ugh, Olivia's college told her to get home immediately. We were stuffed onto the few flights that hadn't been canceled. And in a few days, instead of enjoying the trip we'd planned months ago, I was back in my bedroom in Malacca, isolated and feverish with coronavirus, presumably, as the doctor on the televisit said. Won't know for sure because there's not enough tests. And I was actually able to enjoy some of our trip before hell broke loose. And probably not enough in the clear to make a final report, but for me it wasn't that bad. I still can't smell anything or taste anything, but I have never felt such unmitigated joy over merely being able to leave my bedroom. So that was new and good. I hope you've experienced a few good moments. I hope you've read some of the good news, like that levels of air pollution have plummeted since lockdowns began. 
I read a report from a scientist at Stanford who said the reduction in the emissions of some especially toxic particles in China had probably effectively saved the lives of 1,400 children under five and almost 52,000 adults over 70. Endangered ground nesting birds in England may reproduce in numbers not seen in decades because of industrial shutdowns. People have said they're starting to smell sweet breezes instead of noxious fumes. Bike lanes are expanding, bird songs returning. It's like in the midst of the fear and loss, the land is getting a Sabbath. Russell and I decided to stick with the climate crisis lectionary we planned back in October, so I really didn't just choose this text for today. But it's so almost freakily fitting. It's a law, yeah. But that doesn't mean it's some dried up old static thing without any personality, all dull and oppressive. Laws actually have the capacity to breathe new life into things. That's what they're for. Not to suck out life and variety and love, not at all, but to make life all the more alive, vital. There are stories behind the laws, life and death stories full of passion and intrigue. I mean, read the first five books of the Bible. That's the mix, law and love and some pretty intense and crazy stories. Sabbath law may have accumulated some stultifying bits over the years, but it's really beautiful. It's about pausing, stopping, taking a break from exerting your force on the world in order to be amazed by it, getting up in the morning and looking at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. It's about relishing life, creation, instead of trying to control or subdue it. Like most old, old stories in the Bible, the story around Leviticus 25 is layered. On the surface, it sounds like all this law in Leviticus was given to the people when they were wandering in the wilderness after they'd been freed from Egypt. And Moses went up to Mount Sinai, you know, the tablets and that whole scene. But the people who wrote the laws down in the form we received them were in the midst of a much later crisis. One that seemed like a hopeless disaster, so terrible that they wondered if they could ever even emerge from it intact. Wondered if they could ever emerge from it as a loving community. They weren't waiting to reach the promised land like the wilderness generation in the story. They had already seemingly lost it. They'd been defeated by the Babylonian Empire and were exiled, separated from each other and the land in a strange place they'd never been before. And they were desperate to get their stories down, to find the narratives that would help them survive as a community, that would help them to be able to love each other in this unprecedented situation. They were trying to find their identity as a people in the midst of a crisis. So the laws in Leviticus were ideals, like a model that they could use to help them assess where they'd made mistakes, 
to understand how they might go forward in a better way. So yeah, like the year of Jubilee. It wasn't something that had actually been happening. It's something that after their land was taken away, their temple destroyed, after they couldn't be together in the same way they'd been anymore, they were like, we should have done that. A Sabbath for the land every seven years, of course, excellent agricultural practice. But why not push it further, get more radical? Every 50 years, anyone who has accumulated property from anyone else, they give it back. Anyone who has debts, they'll be released from them. Acquired wealth will be redistributed. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. That should never be able to last for more than a generation. Can you really own what God created out of love for love? You think you can own personally, individually, what God created for all? Well, people did think that. People do think that. But Jubilee would be this time to expose that as a lie. At the end of Leviticus, you get this sort of prophetic rant about the evils that will come if the beautiful law isn't kept. But it's really a description of the writer's current reality in exile. Like the worst they could imagine had already happened. And they believed it happened in part because their kings and their priests and their people didn't care enough about what they should have cared about, justice and love and mercy. They cared more about profit and accumulating wealth and power. God tells Moses, if the law isn't followed, your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it shall rest. Because it didn't ever rest when you lived there. Doesn't that sound kind of uncomfortably familiar? The devastation is terrible. And it's the earth's long-delayed chance to observe the Sabbath the fallow period, the pause, the end of activity. Can something good come wrapped in something terrible? I don't know. It seems possible. In the words of this old book, no matter how bad it got, however alienated from the land and each other and God and the law, however far from love, and mercy they wandered, however much greed and inequity and injustice the rulers and the people and the priests perpetrated on the world, on each other, however bad it got, if the people repented, turned, and walked toward the light and the love and the mercy, the creator of the love and justice and mercy would be waiting with open arms longing for their return. It's never too late. The wilderness where it's scary and people feel vulnerable and the unknown lurks merges in Leviticus 
with the promised land where there's mercy and love and milk and honey and butter and flour. The laws are inserted into the story of the wilderness not only to give them authority, but because the exile, the wilderness, the place where everything has been lost can also be the place where everything is found. So the Bible seems to say. I keep finding that I like this book. These are the stories the people told to get through crisis. They aren't fiction because they're stories. They are a chosen way of seeing, a chosen way of understanding the world, a way of making meaning. And they're so hopeful, but never in a trite or cheaply optimistic way. It's sin and grace, death and resurrection. As we begin Holy Week, we are walking toward death. That's not a hard story to grasp this season. The stark landscape of the desert seemed to lack any source of hope to the people of Israel. It seemed to be a dead end, the end. No more narrative possibility. The people asked Moses, was it because Egypt lacked graves that you brought us out to the desert to die? But Leviticus sees the wilderness, this empty space, this discontinuity from what came before, this pause between culture, between past and future history, as the place where the people can receive the redemptive path of the law. God says to them, after the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein you dwelt, shall ye not do. But also, after the doings of the land of Canaan, where the inhabitants don't care for God, shall ye not do. There's something about that translation I like. Don't just go on doing the doings of that old empire. Don't just go on doing the doings of the loveless system. God says, I am the Lord your God. Do my judgments and keep my ordinances and walk therein. So look at where we are. This wilderness will change us. What do we do? In the words of W.H. Auden, we must love one another or die. I kind of think that's what God's been saying all along. That's what the law is about. But it's also true, and maybe we're not supposed to say this until next week, until Easter, but it's also true that love is greater even than death. I don't know what that means exactly, but I hardly ever even doubt that part of the good news. The writers of Leviticus understood hopelessness, but they also saw this glimmer, this glimpse in the midst of disaster of a future, a different, more humane, merciful, just way to live. This crisis we're living in has made it so clear how everyone's health is inextricably connected. It's made it clear that we really do rely on each other. In moments like this, we can see what's broken. 
but we can also glimpse what's possible. There are landlords that aren't collecting rent. There are hotels that are being used to shelter the homeless. Mortgages are being forgiven. Like the year of Jubilee. Disaster can set the stage for change. The course isn't set yet. Leviticus isn't a call to celebrate disaster, but to pay attention to the possibilities it might contain. How it might shake us loose from our old ways. Let's start creating the stories about how we are all in this together. These were the days when we saw how the old system wasn't working, so we changed it. It isn't a dead-end narrative, this virus. Time isn't like that. We already know where Holy Week ends. It's terrible and beautiful. There's death, but life. Next Sunday came and went. We hadn't seen you yet. I should. church last Sunday was all I came to say when I knocked the door swung open and the house was in disarray I should have called the elders instead I just left a card saying we'll see you in church next Sunday and together we'll praise our Lord i uh-huh.